a media blitz. And I'm hearing all these things about, you know, they, they're talking the same thing. They're glad to see OU and Texas come in and everything else. But the one person, the one person I figured everybody would just be piling on is that good old boy from the plantation in Stillwater, good old Mike Gundy. Nobody ever gives him gives him the hell that he deserves. I almost think that he is like they should call him Teflon Mike because he can do no wrong in nobody's eyes and nobody says anything. You know, he just runs his mouth like he's won 27 national championships and he couldn't coach his way out of a wet paper bag. You know, I'm I'm just I'm you know my feelings on him and you've always known my feelings on him, but he's taking it to a new level now. Now he's mad because OU in Texas went go to go for the money. I can't mm-hmm. blame him for that. Mm. But you mad because they didn't take you? You know, weak sister, I ain't taking you. You 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 don't even show up when you need to show up. You don't win the games that you need to win when 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 the big money is on the line. You always take a vacation or you go to the casino. You've had two players leave your leave your club because under mysterious circumstances, but yet you don't want to talk about that. You even had to give back a million dollars of your salary for some of the stuff that you did. But yet your brother did the same thing, and they kind of cast him out at your place, didn't it? But, you know, I just I just really have a problem with that. But, you know, it's always like the million-dollar man once said, everybody has a price. So, my brother, I'm going to leave you with that. I got to go see my daughter today because she's back in town from Florida for a week, so I get to spend time with her. And remember, as long as the world keeps turning, I will still have something to say, and I will never, ever give Mike Gundy a break because he don't need no break. The only break he needs is a leg, arm. Okay. It doesn't matter to me. Thanks, Brian. I hope you enjoy your time with your daughter. Take care, brother. I will see you. I, I don't know if we have to be breaking body parts all right first of all can i do something very rare here of course you can i'm standing up for gundy for just a second i think he's proven to be a pretty good coach i mean sooner nation would you disagree with me 405-651-3439 has he has he had some things that have caused issues over the last couple of seasons absolutely the the which i'm still the OAN shirt was either one of two things. <laughs> it was either one of the greatest troll jobs ever or truly one of the all-time great fake outrage things that we've ever seen in our lives. I, I haven't quite figured that one out yet. But I felt, t- to me, USC Brian, I think Mike Gundy in a lot of ways has said some things that he's getting from his people. He has – he's not afraid now. He, You're right. He's a Teflon Don, man. He can coach at Oklahoma State as long as he wants. They went through an athletic director's change. 
And again, I, if you guys want, we get Robert Allen on and we could talk about that relationship between Gundy and Mike Holder. And I guess it had become somewhat severed and skewed and, and problematic. If you believe the buzz, it's out there. And they brought in a new athletic director. And many of us thought that was the end. It's like, oh, well, you're bringing a new AD. And this is a dude that doesn't mess around. Chad Weiberg. Look out. This could be it. And what ended up happening? They extended Gundy. So, obviously, something – and they extended Gundy, which, if I understand correctly, didn't he get some of that money back that he had given back as well as part of the deal? So, Brian, feel how you want. I'm not here to try to change your opinion, nor am I here to try to change anyone's opinion. But something about the way that Mike Gundy is handling his business at Stillwater has been incredibly well-received amongst not just the fan base – but obviously within the administration and a new administration. Well, I mean, if you look at, you know, you, something I see all the time on social media, you see these lists of teams with the most wins since 2000, teams with top 10, you know, top 25 finishes. I always see Oklahoma State kind of around that top area. Like they mm-hmm. sneak in and it's just like, oh, wow, Oklahoma State is in this list somehow. And I feel like it's been – because they're not winning a lot of conference championships kind of overshadows they're still having really solid seasons up there. I mean, if you look at I think I saw a stat a while back that uh, Oklahoma State's hit their over uh, over on win totals like most of the time that he's been there. And so, I mean, at that point, you're doing better than everyone expects you to. I mean, he's exceeding expectations. I just feel like it's been overshadowed by the amount of conference championships that OU has won. That's kind of that's why it feels a little bit different when Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are kind of compared like that. And and those moments when Oklahoma State was supposed to get over the hump by beating Oklahoma, it didn't happen. Right, yeah. 2011 yeah, yeah. was the only time. Every year runs together. Let me see how I do here. 11, they beat them. It was one of the most miserable experiences as a sideline reporter of my life and to this day, to this day. Day, it still gives me just yeah. You know that meme or that video that makes the rounds where the girl goes, "I thought it was a lemon drop and it was a tequila." That's how I feel. It's like you, uh, it's like oh yeah, 2012 was a great year. 2011, you know, it's like it just makes you sick with how bad it was. And it took the mistake and repunny to Tyree Kill to get the win in 13 or 14, whenever that was. So I think it was 14, right? But my point is, you know that. 13 team was supposed to beat Oklahoma and they were a favorite to move on, right? You even look back to when it was, you know, two top five teams. Oklahoma went in there and took care of business. We can debate about Rudolph's injury and things of that nature until the cows come home. But Oklahoma has consistently found a way, and I think that that hurts you. And also, you know, there's not a ton of Oklahoma State guys that are starring on Sundays either, right? So that kind of hurts a little bit, but – I don't know. I've, I've never. I've, I've always, <clears throat> I've always thought Mike Gundy's a hell of a coach. I've always thought he's found a way to get it done. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I agree. I mean, you, you put it. You, you're right. I mean, he just finds a way to get it done. That's the best way to put he it. He can't get. He's gotten over the Oklahoma hump twice, right? And then when they, oh, three times, three times. I'm sorry. I, I, I completely have blocked out uh, 2021 from my memory. So I apologize, Oklahoma State fan. You don't have to yell and scream. I mean, I apologize, but. 
I block that's completely blocked out of my mind. That never happened. It never happened. And that was a total pass interference on Braden Willis in the corner of the end zone. But I mean, look at Oklahoma State's football history before he took over. And what he has done is I think now the most tenured coach in the Big Twelve? Is that right? Can't think of who else it would be. He's had success in bowl games. You know, they've won five of their last seven bowl games that they've gone to. But I will say, there is one fascinating number, uh, storyline that still I, I would love to get the inside story on. And I don't know if, you know, I don't know. Is Spencer Sanders with Ole Miss and Media Days? I don't think he is. I don't think Lance. I, you know, probably not. And I don't know if, if Coach Gunny was asked about it too much because it is one of those old stories but I find myself just so curious about the he said, she said of that, right? Oh, yeah. That would be such a cool – yeah, you're right. That did kind of just get swept under the rug. But that was a very interesting – I mean, it just happened in like a week's time, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden he was gone. Yeah. And then we were just like, okay, all right, he's gone. Cool. See. Sounds good. And then we just – that's a good point. Yeah, that would be a really interesting thing to dive into with that. Because that, that kind of spoke to – a guy who had been there before, a guy who had, had been in that system for a long time. You know, Sanders was a day one starter. And then just all of a sudden to, to enter the portal and kind of have the, the mess that it was. Oh, oh look, he, hey, it's been a minute. It's been, Bama Tom, you get the last word this segment. What's going on, Bama Tom? I'm sure you're excited you know, to hear your boy Nick my, Saban. In my lifetime, I've seen the game in the 60s and 70s go from this running field position, hunting type thing to the Lavelle Edwards, Bill Walsh, then the all-out passing. And I think the two biggest positions in the last 40 years that have changed is quarterback and tight end. And I think the Patriots showed us if you have a stud tight end and you have a quarterback, you're unbeatable on offense. And I think, sadly, the two positions that have gone down are running back and linebacker. Um, I got to admit, growing up, even though I was a Packer fan, I'd enjoyed the Steelers playing the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals and beating the absolute hell out of them. My parents would come in the room and said, Tommy, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just enjoying this. And it was just, I hated the Cle- <laughs> town of Cleveland. Right. I hated their uniforms. I hated Paul Brown. <laughs> I hated their lack of uh, uh, just their players. And so uh, reminiscing about days of yore, uh, just uh, Bama Tom and, uh, and my brother, I guess, would be OU Mike, uh, sitting there and watching Pittsburgh just beat the hell out of Cleveland and Cincinnati. I mean, it was visceral. It was just absolutely wonderful. But being a BYU fan back in the day, BYU, now that they've joined the Big 12, they only have, you realize, out of 23 seasons, only half of those are over 10-win seasons. And um, I don't. I think they bring a lot of name and presence to the conference, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're just going to go in and mow down everybody. Me neither. Um, I think the Big 12 could be kind of like the SEC this year and that everybody cannibalizes everybody else. Because that's the problem with the SEC, is they're lucky if they get a Bama or a Georgia or LSU or Auburn to win any or Florida to win anything because they all beat the hell of each, out of each other during the whole year. And I think this Big 12 year, the problem for all the Big 12 teams is that could happen in this conference. But anyway, 
you guys are awesome. I'm like a crack addict for football, and I cannot wait till it gets started. Roll Tide. God bless. I'm out. Should be pretty happy right now. Quarterback and tight end as the two positions that have changed the most. I'd have to think about that. He might be right. I could see it. I could see it. Yeah. By the uh, the someone pointed this out on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Just f- for point of information, going back to the Dion versus Brent Venables thing. Apparently, the Dion quote was fake. Yeah. And it started from Elite Pack Twelve on Facebook, and that's what sucks about the non-verification process. Oh and, yeah. And just making. I mean, they literally made it up. Okay. And it just came out. I, of I yeah. I was. I saw it, and I saw that it was maybe fake, and I, yeah. I kind of was it, taking I, – I take everything with a grain of salt until right. you kind of start seeing video of it, that kind of thing. And we should also add that it wasn't just Brent Venables. It started with Pat Narduzzi. It started with Pat Narduzzi. All right, quick break. When we come back, uh, good day on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. You guys got thoughts on USC Brian and what Bama Tom and what Coach T had to say. We'll get into it next on The Rest. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Things I used to be really good at that somehow I am not anymore. Copy and pasting. I don't know why. It's just it's always a mess every time I try to do it. This is simply an email address, but somehow that's supposed to be the easy part. You would you would being think on a computer, yeah. You would think, right? Oh, there we go. Copy and wait for it. Big moment here on the Plank Show. Did we actually get it right? Oh my gosh, what a mess this used to be. Oh, let's go. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It's it's the little things. It's the it's the little things. Welcome into the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. At the bottom of this hour, I think we're going to get to hear – did I say that right? Kirby Smart at the bottom of this hour? So we'll catch Coach Smart's statements from the dais coming up. I've got much more from Jimbo Fisher to get to. And I'm glad USC Brian brought up Brian Kelly. If you've missed some of the buzz this offseason, there is a building sentiment, Pierce, that LSU is going to be a national title contender. This year? This year. I felt the same way. I went up and down. I talked to many people. Uh I read many leather-bound books. I just – it seems to be that a lot of people – and I think this has to do with the quarterback position, right? Jalen – they got Jane Daniels. I mean, he's, he's great. Uh, they have a lot of talent on the roster. That's not – I don't know. I mean, like, I guess I could see it, but for a lot of people to be committing to that – Sure. Like, you know, I could see, like, somebody saying, like, hey, they're kind of a dark horse. That could be a team that you could kind of sneak up on you. I'd be, I'd be comfortable saying that, mm-hmm. saying that they're – consistently people are saying national title contender. I feel like that's a stretch. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But I don't – I don't know if Brian Kelly is playing the Lou Holtz or if Brian Kelly is really trying to simmer down expectations because the one thing that stood out to me from listening to Brian Kelly – yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to play it yet. We'll, we'll get to Brian Kelly later. But just I want to mention this real quick. The one thing that stood out to me, Pierce, was he was real quick to say, hey, 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 we, we got a lot of depth work to do. We got a lot of work to do. I We're getting there. That. Did he really? He was yeah, kind of. Well, it, maybe. I, how about this? 
bottom of the hour, I'll play it for you. Okay. You tell me if you agree. Okay, cool. Because I felt like he was like, listen, we got a long way to go. Look at what LSU has done in the portal. They brought in – when was the last time we had to talk about LSU trying to build things through the, through the portal for its secondary? I mean, that's, that's the place where Tyron Matthew and – you know, first-round picks apparently were just oozing in NFL talent. Yeah. They're having to hit the portal. Their offensive line still has some issues. I mean, they brought in this I, – I heard Cole Kublick say they brought in a guy from Maryland that I watched his tape. I don't know how the hell he's going to play in the SEC. So, you know, they're still working on some depth issues at LSU. But I'll be, I'll be fascinated to see if you feel the same way that I do about what, uh, what old Brian Kelly had to say at SEC okay. Media Days yesterday. I'm interested. It, I'm was, interested. it was almost – it was it was almost a ho 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 calm down now a little bit everybody everybody just calm down we feel really good about where we're going we feel really good about what what's taking place but we're we're not quite at that spot yet we we still got a little room to go and it all starts with depth by the way question i thought of Speak since we haven't talked a lot of Oklahoma football today. Is there we don't talk about quarterback depth enough? Uh, let me rephrase that. Nationally, nationally, I don't think we talk about quarterback depth enough. Locally, I feel like we do. I feel like on the ref, I feel like, you know, when I'm watching, you know, anything else, I feel like everyone kind of gets because of what we've seen. Yeah, especially after last year. Right. Think think about Think about Alabama. Alabama lost two games, Tennessee and LSU, right? But they nearly lost a third last year. True. What happened in that game against Texas A&M? Bryce Young got dinged, came out of the game. They brought in the backup. You know what, Bryce Young, did they start the backup? No, Bryce Young went and they brought in the backup and he turned the ball over. And yeah. it ended up being a major, major moment in that game that almost allowed A&M to win the game. I don't have to sell you, Oklahoma fans. We know, right? Think about the game. Now, things weren't trending well in Fort Worth. Things were not trending well in Fort Worth. But you felt a little better if you had Dylan Gabriel in there to help you out. And then I've had the therapy to forget about 49-0 to, for the most part. I, I even went back. So I, I was thinking in my mind, I went back historically. Think about the game that Baker Mayfield got hurt against TCU with the targeting penalty, right? Trevor, TK9, great guy, but when he came in the game, that was, a, that was a really, really bad interception that nearly cost Oklahoma the game and a shot at playing in the playoffs. This happens year in and year, and we don't, I don't feel like we talk about it enough, right, nationally. I think everyone's like, oh, they got a great starter. They're going to be good. But it is so rare. Just takes one hit. Dude, in the NFL, how many guys – Patrick Mahomes is like the anomaly. And Josh would oh, – yeah. Kansas City fans would probably – and Brady was during his career. right? Dudes, we do you not get, get – banged up. 13 games, you don't see a lot of guys start 13 games yep. in the NFL. At least, you know, for the sake of this argument. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in college football, I think that number would be even lower. Now, you have a great counter to this, so I'm going to give it to you, but it's really the – you know, one of the few examples. One of the few examples. TCU last year lost Chandler Morris, who had won the starting quarterback job. But Max Duggan slides in in that second half. By the way, 
Go watch that second half of the Colorado game if you have some time. That was brutal. They didn't let Max Duggan throw the football. But things started to click. They just ran the football down Colorado's throat. But things started to click for them, right? Started to click. And next thing you know, it's, damn, they're good. Why? Because they had good quarterback depth. They did. So It also helps that the teams that they were injuring, the starting quarterbacks, didn't have good quarterback depth. Playing against six, seven, oh, six backup hey, quarterbacks helps. And that's that, the same part. There's the case. Same. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, Kansas State. What, what, what helped them last year? They had some Will decent Howard. quarterback depth. Yeah. Right? Adrian Martinez goes down. There's Will Howard, who Played had well. been forced into action in 2020. And next thing you know, they're, they're okay. It's like, hey, they're okay. Now, when he got hurt, they had to bring in my man Jake Rubley. That, that was rough. That, that was, was tough. tough watch. That was tough. But just look down the, down the laundry list. Quarterback depth matters. And I, I think it's fair to say – of all the positions that we regularly talk about, right, defensive line, edge rusher, constant conversation, right, linebacker, offensive line, with the excitement around Jackson Arnold and then knowing, I feel how you want about a Davis Bevel, but, you know, that's a guy now that is a third option and you could go down that – I think they've got a couple – got a walk-on guy that's in that room too, but – is it fair to say – I'm not trying to tell you, oh, Goldberg's got the best quarterback room in the country. That's not my point. But is it fair to say that everybody feels much, much better about where Oklahoma is in that quarterback depth conversation than we've been in a minute? It's definitely it defined in a minute. I mean, like, compared to last year, you feel remarkably Well, okay, remarkably when I, you're right. Define a minute because Rattler and Williams was a pretty good one, too. Jalen Hurts and Rattler was a good one, too. Baker had Baker Kyler. Kyler. That's what I'm saying. So before that, yes, you know what I mean? There was that period where we had good depth, and I think last year was kind of that you know slap-in-the-face wake-up call that <laughs> we don't anymore. Now, I think, honestly, I'm not – okay, this is going to sound bad. Go ahead. I'm not as sold on Jackson Arnold as everyone else is. Okay. I just think he needs – here's the thing. He's remarkably talented, and I love the way he plays football. He plays kind of with that Jalen Hurts style. He's gonna, he has the ability to run a player over, and I kind of like seeing that from a quarterback. I just still think I hate freshmen getting in and playing that first year. I want him to have some time to kind of get into the feel of things, play some blowout games, and then I feel like they'll be like, I guess I'm not as sold as you are on the room itself. Okay. It's way better than last year. I'm not saying it's bad by any means, but I think the quarterback situation isn't as set in stone for OU fans as I think they think it is, if that makes sense. Okay. So you would push back just a, and not, say, Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. Am I at least selling you on they're in a better shape in 23 than they are in 22? One million percent. Okay. It's not even close. One Last year, I remember we talked about, we had a preseason podcast, me and one of my buddies, and we talked about how if Dylan Gabriel were to be injured, we would be screwed. We, remember we talked about that before, <laughs> I think Teddy said before that the season too. started. Like We talked about it and we were like, man, really hope he does not get hurt because that could be a problem. And then lo and behold... That injury comes, and I remember texting him right when it happened, and I was like, wow, well, this is an issue now. I'll never forget driving home. I was I was over at OU. It was doing all the preseason stuff, and everyone's on cloud nine. And I remember Teddy and Tyler 
were debating about teams that might not meet expectations. I think they were doing not. I don't know if it was an over under or, or whatever it was, but Teddy Teddy kind of laughed and said, "Well, if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt, that could be a conversation that we're having about Oklahoma with that quarterback room." Man, and and, and he, he was, was right. right. He was right. He was right. All right, it's 1034. I want to hit these texts. Plus, I want to get to this Brian Kelly quote and see if you're buying it like I am. Uh, Kirby Smart's going to be at the day. So we're going to listen into a little bit of that coming up right here on The Ref. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. All right, listen, uh, you, you want to go to SEC Media Days real quick. Kirby Smart is holding court. Uh, it, it's kind of funny. He opened up. They have 10 minutes with each coach. And yesterday, Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach in Missouri, talked for like seven to eight minutes. I mean, he literally, he, he filibustered the whole time. I, I, was ta- I was not talking to him. I was listening to Andy Staples, and he said that was, uh, that was a Will Muschamp thing to where he'd get up when he was at Florida and South Carolina – and just to avoid anyone having any questions, he would just talk the whole time. Just like on the opening statement? Yeah. So this might be a good little brief breakdown from Kirby Smart here. I love and embrace SEC athletics. So I want to give a, a, a quick thanks to all our fan base. Oh, I mean, the SEC is just different. That was me. And when you think about the fan bases in our conference, they make it what it is. They allow us to recruit to the largest attendance uh, in the country, and uh, it makes our job much easier uh, when you when you're in the best conference there is in the country. So, this all season, how have I spent this all season? I think when you when I, when I think about that, first thing I think about is July. Because the only time that we have anything off as coaches is end of June and July. And uh, my family and I went on a family vacation there for about a week in July. And then I got to enjoy uh, what my mother started about 13 years ago. And she's so proud of, she calls it Julymus. Julymus is Christmas in July. And uh, because we have bowl games as coaches, we don't get to kind of celebrate Christmas as a family. So we bring my brother's family, my sister's family, my parents, eight grandchildren, all under one roof for three to four days. And my parents absolutely love it. I don't know that my wife always does, but uh, my family really enjoys it and we get to have a good time. I also got to spend uh, five days in the SEC footprint in Mississippi. Travel baseball dad, which is... uh, (laughs) fun and exhilarating um but my wife wants to go to italy and the amalfi coast and instead we spent it in mississippi for five days in south haven and i enjoyed every minute of that and getting to be a, a travel baseball dad's uh something i enjoy but our staff our team our university our entire dog nation uh went through one of the highest of highs in january which was to win back-to-back cfp championships which had never been done Uh, We then um, endured the loss of two dear family members, Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix. We love them and we miss them. So many people have stepped up for our players uh, within our organization during this time of need. Uh, One of the toughest things I've ever been through as a coach was to experience that. Uh, But some of the leadership that really helped us, we have a rising star in our athletic department in Doris Griffin. She's been there for me, our players, and so many others during these tough times. She's our senior deputy director of athletics um, and the sport facilitator for football. Uh, Thomas Settles, our team chaplain, 
what an incredible asset he has been for both our players, our coaches, and people in our organization. You know, a tragedy can either divide or unite us. I'm proud of our players. It has definitely brought them closer together and united our team and our family. So a, a while back, I was sent something I thought was pretty unique. Uh, and I was actually at my desk the other day uh, combing through some things, and it literally hit me right between the eyes as I looked at it. It was a post-it note that was posted. I'd gotten this this probably uh, a couple years ago, and it was posted behind my, my, my seat at my desk. And uh, I think anyone can tell you the benefits of great leaders. Anybody can tell you what it looks like. They can tell you what leadership can do for you. They can tell you how to develop leadership. There's tons of books written on, on great leaders and leadership. But you won't see, and what you will never see, is people talk about the costs of leadership and costs associated with leadership, I should say. If we truly want to be honest and upfront about leadership, you can't ignore the cost of leadership. Great leaders are willing to accept those costs. And I want to share quickly three of those things, three of the costs that are plastered on my desk right behind it that kind of caught me between the eyes last week. Number one, you will have to make hard decisions that negatively affect people you care about. Number two, you will be disliked despite your best attempt to do the best for the most. And number three, you will be misunderstood and won't always have the opportunity to defend yourself. Those are three costs that come from being a great leader. And the reason I share those, these three costs, are exactly what the three players we brought from UGA represent. They don't fear those costs. That's the reason we decided to bring them. They accept those costs and they embrace those costs and it's not hard for them to see the benefit of those costs as leaders of our team. There you go. I thought he said he wasn't going to filibuster. I thought that was his big what takeaway. Does, what does he have to filibuster about? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, you just won the natty. This should be the easy part for you. Yeah. These are the layup ones. What have you done? We just, we're going to keep grinding. We're looking for another – we're just – we're focusing on this next season, looking for a national championship this year. You know what I mean? Like, you've got the easy – You this guy's got the easiest yeah. job out there. Yeah, I mean, let's – That was crazy. Let's – he's not done, by the way. I just jumped he's in there because we're, we're up against it, oh and I want to get some of these text messages. But they've got a big question at quarterback, Right. They've got to replace two tackles in Warren McClendon and Broderick Jones, who are off to the National Football League. They've, I mean, I I guess Carson Beck's the guy, but Brock Vandegrift decided to stay around. You got Gunnar Stockton there, too. But for the most part, I mean, that's that's it. They have some wide receiver depth issues, right? They go get Ra-Ra Thomas, and then he uh, he immediately gets in trouble, so I don't even know what like his role is on the team, if at all, yeah, that that's a name that I'm sure Kirby Smart will get asked about it if he ever stops with his opening statement. Yeah, if he ever – maybe that, maybe that's <laughs> maybe what that's he's doing. Problem. He's maybe brilliant. But, yeah, I, interesting. Interesting. Some takeaways from Kirby Smart at SEC Media Day. Now, you and I had talked about wanting to hear from Brian Kelly in this segment. Now, I know this is going from what's happening today – to what happened yesterday. So I brought up a lot of people I talked to on Saturday show and here on the ref. I asked one question. 
if they're SEC people. You ready for Oklahoma to come kick your – no, I'm, I asked about LSU. LSU is a fascinating team for me because it's almost as if we've taken one season and shot them into the stratosphere because they have a returning quarterback and maybe the top overall pick on defense. I mean, it's a good building foundation. Listen to Brian Kelly and tell me if he's trying to minimize that a little bit. This is part of his opening statement. Not really a filibuster, but he, part of his opening statement yesterday. Where in year one, I was learning the league. I was learning how to go on the road and play in the kind of environments. I was learning our roster and our strengths and weaknesses. Going into year two, we have a lot of that knowledge. We understand a lot of those things necessary to be competitive and win games. Now it's how do you do it? week in and week out. And for us, that's what our team now has been focused on. The little details of how they do their work. What they do in the classroom has so much to do with what they do on the football field. How they live their lives, what they put in their bodies, how they train. All of those things matter on a day-to-day basis when you're talking about consistency with your process. And so... Where we are in year two is that we have a football team that's coming. They're moving in the right direction. We still have some weaknesses that we're working on. We still have some roster development that still needs to take place. I think the exciting parts are keeping your, your staff together and the continuity of our staff with our coordinators and leadership uh, is in place. That will make it for seamless communication Uh, as it relates to our day-to-day. But going into this season, um, it certainly is going to be a great challenge for us as we open up against an outstanding Florida State team. So in other words, again, (laughs) Chuck was making fun of me for this yesterday. Maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into it. But when he says, hey, We're moving in the right direction. We have some weaknesses that we're working on. We have some roster development that needs to take place. Um, But I I don't know. That to me is like, whoa, whoa, okay. When you talk about roster development, roster development to me is not a conversation you're having about national championship contenders. So was this an answer to a question? No, this was opening statement. opening statement. Opening statement. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think – you know, they went in and they brought in a transfer at safety. They um, they obviously – there was a – you know what's funny is Brian Kelly talked about the Northwestern situation because he was asked about it. There, there was one question – all right, look, how about this? Let's break, hit the text line. There was one more question in this that got me thinking. Um, and also, uh, I, I should add, this is a good point. If the super secret textoso person that sent this doesn't mind me mentioning their name, please tell me. But you know, I'm I'm still Kirby Smart is still talking in his opening statement that he was making fun of Eli Drinkowitz for filibustering. But this, this text said, "Don't forget, George is getting sued over their handling of the tragedy." Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and they're under pressure from the Atlanta Journal Constitution for helping players out of legal issues. Right? They had a Big write-up like a month ago about there. You ever watch? Have you ever seen Pulp Fiction? I have. Remember the wolf? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess Georgia has the wolf, right? Let's not start bleeping each other's bleep quite yet, right? right. Florida Sooner was saying something else like that. They said uh, speeding and then violence against women. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen a lot about that. That was an incident from a couple of years ago where everyone showed up in court to defend the player. And, and again, they are they're huh. saying this, too. Yeah, Teddy had sent that to me. Because Teddy's, I mean, they've talked about it a lot on The Rush. But he sure as heck doesn't want to be asked about it on national TV. And you know that if he's asked about it, the answer is going to be like, well, I, I can't really talk about yeah. that right now. But right. like I told you, you know, I miss those people. Highest of high, lowest of lows. Leadership. You know, these guys showing leadership. It hurts me every day. Next question. All right, quick break. All right, one, one more Brian Kelly cut. <laughs> Camo Sino. Wow. Brian Kelly lost his southern drawl. Amazing. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. Isn't that, that crazy how out. that works? It's playing show right here on The Ref. This is The Ref Sports Radio Network. I feel like we need to start every segment with this just for those that are ducking in and out and because we've had so many text questions about it and it just seems to be on fire. The Dion quote firing back at Brent Venables is completely made up. Oh, Web El Dusto from the 918. Good on you, buddy. Great to hear from you. But yeah, it's, um, it was some meme by a Pac 12 site, like Pac 12 Facebook page, and it just, it done blowed up. No one takes the time to say, this is from Pac-12 something on Facebook. Let me just double check to see if there's any other source. I don't need another source. Here's my hot take. So, yeah, that's it's fake. It's made up. Not real. Not true. Incorrect. Going back to that last segment. Go ahead. I think you're reading into it too much with okay. Brian Kelly. I, I think. I think if it I was, can wear that. I think if it was an answer to a question, I would have agreed with you. Okay, well, let me. But I think because it's an opening statement, I feel like he's going for more of just like a – I'm here for the long-term kind of approach. I think is what he's trying to get off with that. that. I think. Here's when he was asked about improving from 22 to 23. Well, I think last year, again, as as I mentioned, um, what what we were able to do um, was really give our players a clear vision and a clear plan as to what we wanted them to do on a day-to-day basis. Here are the standards. Here are the non-negotiables. Here's where you can't cross that line. And if you stick with these non-negotiables, that you have to do these things every single day and be accountable to them, we have a chance to build a relationship on a day-to-day basis that you'll see that will prepare you for success. And the, the real crossroads for us was when we got beat bad by Tennessee. Because a lot of that trust can go right out the window in year one when you get beat that bad. But our kids hung in there, and, and they, they, they gave us the trust necessary to work through that. And they went back, and they worked harder, and they worked to the, the details that we told them we needed to. And then we, once we got past that Tennessee game, um, I think we had those guys bought in. And so you're going to need some of those moments in year one where those young men go, we're in. We're going to stick with you. Yeah, that's pretty good. Maybe I'm reading into it a little bit. He's, I, okay, we'll get back to that at the top. Yeah, of the yeah. Hour. Well, we got top five stories today, and I'm sure there's 
enough people that have sent great texts that are like, you need to read the text, Plank. Quit ignoring the text. So we'll do it with the top five stories of the day next right here on the Home Sooner Fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network.